Welcome to OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode 27. This episode is an interview with Omer Anson of Huawei. I interviewed Omer at the OpenStack Summit in Barcelona way back in October. He was very kind to make time to talk to me during the summit, and then I filed away the audio and completely forgot about it immediately. I rediscovered it just yesterday and decided that I needed to publish it right away. So here it is. Omer, my apologies. On to the interview. Welcome to the OBS Orbit podcast. I'm here at OpenStack Barcelona with Omer Anson, uh, who's uh, currently at Huawei. And uh, today we're going to talk about the, the Dragonflow project. How long have you been at Huawei? I've been, uh, now I've been about nine months. And how did you get involved with Dragonflow? I got to Huawei and they told me that's what you're, that's what you're working on. Oh, well, that, uh, that, that works out. Maybe the, uh, the way to proceed then would be to explain, uh, so what is Dragonflow? Uh, a lot of our listeners probably haven't heard of it. Okay, uh, Dragonflow is an SDN controller. In fact, it is a full Neutron implementation. Neutron is the OpenStax uh, networking API, and Dragonflow comes to implement that API. So Neutron, you tell, you, tell the, you tell OpenStack if you want to create ports, subnets, networks, and Dragonflow is what actually creates these ports or subnets or networks and moves the packets around. Okay, is Dragonflow based on a, a, a lower level uh, um, controller platform or is it a, a platform of, of its own? Yes, it's based on, uh, on OpenFlow specifically. We use OpenVSwitch to, to implement the policies that we want, that we want to, to use. And above that, we, we, above that Dragonflow sits and uh, translates the, the Neutron policies into OVS policies. Yeah, so that that's uh, good information, but I meant, is it based on something like uh, ANAS or ODL or Ryu, or is it its own uh, um, uh, platform as a, as a controller? Uh, as a controller, it's its own platform. We do, specifically Ryu, we do use as, a, as an external library, but it's 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 not based on any other any other SDN controller. I see. So is it implemented in Python, like, uh, like Ryu? Yes. And how, how long has it been around? I think it's been around for about a year and a half, if I remember correctly. You've said a little bit about the architecture of, of Dragonflow. Um, do, do you want to explain it a, a little bit more, how all the pieces fit together? Uh, yes, yes. Since the Newton cycle, this is uh, of late, we have, um, we have two pieces. One that sits in, the, in Neutron. This is a mechanism driver. We're part of the... We have an ML2 mechanism driver that sits in Neutron. This receives all the Neutron API calls. It it receives. It has hooks. It hooks. Yeah. It might be a, a little bit uh, good to, to back up yeah. a little and, and tell people uh, what, what Neutron is. I'm, uh, some of our listeners might not even know that. Neutron is OpenStack's networking API. Right, right. It receives uh, it receives commands to create networks, subnets, ports, etc., and then it passes these commands on to to plugins to implement this, the networking according to what the user. And Dragonflow is one example of a plugin. Yes, and Dragonflow is separated into two parts, two major parts here. One part sits inside Neutron. Specifically, it's a mechanism driver. We can go into what that is later. And uh, that part receives the API events uh, and passes them over and publishes them 
to the con to the second part of Dragonflow. This is the actual SDN controller that sits in the compute node. How does it publish it? What kind of mechanism does it use? It uses a dual mechanism. We have a key value store that holds all the all our information the way we see it. It's mostly a it, it's mostly a rehash of the information Neutron has. It's mostly another a second point of view of the information Neutron has. We have also uh, a view of networks, subnets, and ports. And we use a publish-subscribe mechanism to say that a specific database entry has changed. Yeah. In some cases, we also pass information of what has changed, how it has changed, etc. Okay, so there's two parts. There's something that maintains the state of the system, and then there's a separate component that lets the hypervisors uh, know which parts have changed recently. Yes. Once the, the part, the segment that sits in the hypervisors in the compute nodes, once it receives this information, it modifies the open flow, the open flow mechanism to match the policies necessary. If there's a new port, it it creates flows from that port to the to the system according to the policies, including uh, port security, security groups. Uh, layer two and layer three routing and the such. That makes a lot of sense. So it, it sounds like you're you're fairly new to Neutron, but uh, do you, do you have an idea uh, what distinguishes Dragonflow from from other uh, networking systems in Neutron? Well, we could go one by one and talk about the major differences between them. I think the most important detail is that Neutron that Dragonflow is aimed at scale. We are looking to implement ourselves on thousands and even ten thousand compute nodes in a cloud. Wow, that tens of thousands is, is a lot. Um, I've, I've heard that uh, it's difficult to get uh, OpenStack as a whole to, to scale that high. We're looking only on the, networking, uh, on the networking part and we're looking only at thousands at the moment. The goal is 10,000. That's a good goal. Uh, are, you, are you focusing on, on scale testing then? We also focus on scale testing. We have some very interesting results. We have simulated 4,000 nodes and saw that we get uh, that the, the scale out is very good a latency a slowdown of only about five percent between 30 30 nodes and 4,000 nodes that's uh, very impressive so when, when you say it's a slowdown of about five percent do you, do you mean for a particular operation or or what do you mean exactly yes we are looking we were testing control plane op uh, operations uh, creating creation of subnets and creation of ports so what we had was uh, we had 32 or 33 servers and on these we run a Dragonflow controller on each server, executed uh, 50 creations of subnets uh, which included DHCP and routers, 50 creation of, of uh, virtual machine ports and later 5 ports per subnet which means 250 ports. And we have seen that on 32, on, on 32 servers We've reached about uh, a minute for the entire creation of the subnets. That's about one subnet per second, and uh, 20 seconds or 16 seconds for the creations of for the creation of one port per subnet. I don't remember the number for the, but in general, we reach the point where we have three ports a second, which is great. It's faster than the time it takes for a VM to to boot up. It's comparable with the time it takes to deploy a container. Now we rerun this test by simulating 4,000 nodes. We don't have actually 4,000 nodes lying around, so we've simulated this using using namespaces, network namespaces. We've run, we've had a Dragonflow controller and the matching OVS bridge running 130 times on each uh, server. We still have 32 servers. 
and then we've seen, and then we started again creating 50 subnets, 50 ports, and 250 ports. And we have seen that the creation of subnets went uh, from 47 to 49 time, uh, to 49 seconds, and the creation of ports went from 16 to 17 seconds. So we see that we see an increase of about 5% in, in the time it takes to create everything. Now, when I say cre uh, port creation, I mean the port is created, added to the Neutron database, added to the Dragonflow database, and published to the to all the compute nodes. All the compute nodes write the all the compute nodes update their internal policy and then report that they have finished. So when I say that the port was created, all ports were created in 17 seconds. This means that all the compute nodes know that these ports have been created and these ports are usable. Those are pretty impressive numbers. So what did you have to focus on to uh, achieve those kinds of results? Uh, in general, I think this is due to our architecture. We are we have a very distributed architecture. We have uh, we work by passing the policy to the compute nodes and making and letting the compute nodes autonomously decide what are the actual flows and how to implement this policy, rather than having a centralized location where the network has to go through or using. Um, or a centralized location where we decide what the policy is and then passing the policy down. Therefore, trying to avoid and spreading out the bottlenecks. We also, by using OpenFlow in a pure manner, without using IP tables, namespaces, etc., I think we get, we get better results. Great. Do you want to mention some of the features that, that Dragonflow has? Yes. Uh, we have First off, we have the basic features of Layer 2 and Layer 3 routing. We have... Uh, fully distributed DHCP server. We have uh, fully di distributed ARP responders, which means that when a certain virtual machine is looking for another virtual machine or for for its own IP address, it, this information isn't broadcasted throughout the network, throughout the cloud, but the machine is immediately notified of the result. We have we have added lately things like uh, the ML2 mechanism driver that allows us to play nice with other with other Neutron plugins. We have a remote port functionality which allows us to connect to devices that are not managed by Neutron and not managed by Dragonflow. Say if we have an external server and it has on it virtual machines or even physical servers connected with VLANs, Dragonflow now supports being able to connect to that server and see the devices behind the server as part of the overlay network. Dragonflow talks to Open vSwitch particularly. Uh, does it uh, does it support other uh, other software switches or is it OVS specific? Currently, we support OpenFlow with NSCV extensions. So anything that supports OpenFlow and the NSCV extensions is supported by Dragonflow. We are also looking into into supporting new new protocols such as ebpf such as p4 it depends also on what the what the community what the community go in the it also depends on the direction the community chooses that makes sense are there uh, switches that support the nisera extensions other than obs i'm i it's a genuine question i, I don't know uh, i don't either oh, but, okay. uh, <laughs> I, I i'm guessing physical switches and and uh, and smart nicks support these things, but... Uh, oh, sure. The, you, you mean like the, the Netronome SmartNex? For instance. That, that makes sense. Yeah, they've, uh, they've done a good job of uh, supporting uh, lots of uh, a wide variety of, of protocols. 
So one of the things I noticed from uh, talking to some of the Dragonflow developers and, and looking at the website is that Dragonflow really uh, emphasizes pluggability. And uh, from, from looking at things, it seems like the, the best example is the, the, the database layer, where it, it looks like you support maybe three or four different uh, uh, databases. Is that, is that correct? Yes, yes. The databases, the ones that I looked at, it looked like you support uh, OVSDB, etcd, RethinkDB, and uh, RamCloud. Is, did I get those right? Uh, yes, we also support Redis, and I think the obvious DB we actually removed because it wasn't ah, working okay. well. That makes sense. My point was that all of these have uh, very different choices in terms of uh, you know their, their performance and their consistency models and how they cluster things and their durability. So that, that seems just like a, a really difficult choice how, how do your users, how do you decide which database to use? The difference between these databases is exactly the reason we chose a pluggable mechanism, a pluggable architecture. We want some users have, for some users, latency is most important. They want zero latency. As others, it's throughput. Others, it's uh, high availability or load balancing. Or we, we don't know and we don't want to choose for other operators. Selecting the database that's that fits you most. It depends on what you have in your cloud already. It depends on what you know. It depends on what fits best with with what you already have. Isn't it difficult as a developer to to make a system that can take advantage of all those properties? The API we we provide is uh, is is unified for all of them. You don't have to rewrite elements inside Dragonflow to okay. to use a different database. Only a very closed small API. I would worry that uh, that what you would end up with in your API is essentially the the least common denominator of, of all the databases that you support, and that might uh, be uh, limiting. Do you see that at all in practice when you're uh, developing the system? Not at the moment. I'm not an expert on key-value store databases, so there might be something I'm missing. When we do see that we need new features, we add them. For instance, lately we have we realize that we need. Uh, we need an API call to support high availability, to gather information or to check it or whatever. So we've added this API call. We saw that we need another API call for something else, so we've added that. I see. Do you have an idea of, of specifically why you uh, why OPSDB wasn't uh, wasn't appropriate? I'm I'm curious. It's not that it wasn't appropriate. It just didn't work and we didn't have anyone taking it and... Oh, I see. It, it had more to do with that particular plugin and having the right knowledge of, about how to, to implement it and, and maintain it. Yes, I, I don't see a reason why OVSDB as a database shouldn't work. Okay. One of the things we're uh, trying to uh, decide with in the OVN project is we're, we're trying to figure out whether it's better for our purposes either to enhance OVSDB to have uh, um, clustering for HA or to switch to uh, etcd uh, entirely. Do you have any uh, feelings on, uh, or any advice? I'm, I'm curious. Um, well, as I said before, the choice of database is very personal to your deployment. Okay. To your, so, and I'm not an expert on key value stores. Okay. So, no. All right, that's, that's fair enough. One of the things I noticed from the, uh, uh, from the Dragonflow documentation, it talks about how its uh, L3 routing uses a mix of proactive and reactive populating uh, of the, the OpenFlow flow table. And I'm, uh, I'm interested uh, to, to hear about how that works and what, what sort of a trade-off you, you saw there. 
first of all say that this is one implementation of L3. We actually sure. have a second implementation of L3 at the moment, oh, which, that's is very interesting. which is completely proactive, because we have seen that the reactive L3 implementation wasn't reaching the performance we wanted. Oh, is the, is the new implementation, is it a, a replacement or is it an alternative? Uh, it's both, because it's it's an alternative, but only you can only use one at a time. You can't have both L3 applications. Oh, I, I guess I meant, is uh, do, does it mean that the, the other implementation is one that you'll eventually remove, or are there some cases where you'd prefer it? There are some cases where you'll prefer it. If you have a huge L3 network, something that is too big for OBS to handle, then you will want to stick to the reactive mode. The reactive mode works by... I'll start with the proactive mode. The proactive mode installs all the, all the layer 3 routing uh, abilities you have in your network. But in some cases, this can be huge. So the reactive mode says, I will only install those that I know that are going to be used, or those that have been used. And if someone sends me a new packet that I don't know how to route, I will send this to the controller. The controller is the Dragonflow L3 application. The controller then reinstalls the new specific flow that is needed for that packet and sends it back to be to be processed. So and this is what we mean by reactive, because we react to packets that we don't know how to route by installing routing information. The thought here that is that we have so much that OVS can't handle all of them, and when, we ha and when we're missing something, it will be faster to go to the controller and, and retrieve it once than having OVS search through 200,000 routes or whatever you have. So when it goes to the controller, does the controller then go to the database as well? Uh, it can, or this is depending on the implementation of the application. I don't remember the code by heart, but we have both a caching mechanism, the applications, the Dragonflow applications have both a local cache mechanism provided by the framework and access to the to the database. So the application can decide what is best for it. Okay. So uh, we talked about the, the uh, pluggable support for databases, and, and now you've mentioned that you can uh, plug in your choice of uh, L3 routing mechanisms. So it sounds like uh, a Dragonflow is structured as a, uh, as a collection of, of pluggable applications. Yes, this is exactly it. It sounds like it's uh, a controller platform like you might think of, say, ODL or Ryu as being controller platforms, that it's designed to have uh, a new software uh, plugged into it. And uh, I think you mentioned on, on the website that you envision people writing their own application. So I'm always curious in application models, which, which are great, of course, what kinds of uh, exciting ideas they see that, that people might want to build in the future. My vision is, our vision is, that everything every Newton API that exists will be written as a Dragonflow application. Currently, the Dragonflow itself does very little to nothing with, um, specific, with creating flows and, and instructing the policy of how packets move. Everything is done th uh, through applications. We have an L2 application which detects the MAC addresses and knows to pass them to the correct ports. We have an L3 application that we discussed that knows to detect when packets are supposed to reach the router and have the layer two, uh, layer 2 addresses replaced. We have a security group application which uses connection tracking to enforce security group rules as they appear in Neutron. We have a port security application that detects when a VM sends a packet that is not allowed according to its source addresses and drops it. We 
we envision that it's also easy to write in a firewall application, for instance, because a firewall mostly are sets of rules that apply to information that fr that OpenFlow can read, such as layer two, layer three, layer four addresses and ports. So the vision is that everything can be written as a Dragonflow application. My first contact with Dragonflow was when we, we had a, a developer uh, who was interested in working on OVN, and, and then we, we had sort of a, a disagreement. He wanted things to be more pluggable, and we were less interested in, in that at the time. And, and then he uh, went off uh, to work on uh, Dragonflow, where it, which makes a lot of sense because uh, certainly pluggability seems to be one of the, the philosophies. I'm curious whether you think there's uh, any, uh, any influence there, or is there a relationship between the projects? I mean, the answer might just be no. There's definitely influence. There are, if you look at OVN and, uh, and Dragonfly, you will see many common elements. Uh, I'm not versed enough in the history of either to know what came from where or if there was even a relation, maybe just two people thought of, thought of the same solution to the same problem. Fair enough. So uh, we're at the OpenStack Summit in Barcelona, and that means that uh, uh, there's a new OpenStack release out. Do you uh, also have a new release of Dragonflow, and do you want to talk about what's new in, in this release? Uh, yes, we also, we also have a new release of Dragonflow. We plan to release it uh, once we get back from the summit. I didn't have a chance to do it before we left. And we have some uh, interesting new features. One of these new features is a mechanism driver that we've mentioned before. So what, what are the benefits that, that people get from the mechanism driver? Uh, the mechanism driver allows you to interoperate Dragonflow with other Neutron plugins. Previously we had a core plugin which sort of took control of Neutron and made it very hard to work with, with something else. Now the mechanism driver allows you to have, for starters, new uh, different computers with different network implementations, NSTN controllers. And then if you want to make a, a slow migration or test several things or maybe even have several solutions because different solutions give you different abilities and you want them to interoperate and play nicely with one another, using, having a mechanism driver allows you to do that. It seems like it would be important for, for upgrade. Is that how upgrade is handled? Uh, for instance, well, another exciting new feature in my opinion is the remote port functionality allowing to, being able to tell Dragonflow, I have a device over there, this is how you connect to it, and it has, it has network elements behind it, like virtual machines, or even physical devices that look like they're virtual machines. Can you give an example? What kind of a device would you point a remote port to? A simplest example is, a, is connection between two clouds. You have two clouds and uh, an entry point to each cloud, and you tell the controllers in one cloud, all the virtual machines in that cloud are actually, be, are actually sitting on the entry point, okay. which is the remote port. So it's, is it a way to tell uh, Dragonflow how to get to a, a port that's in some other network that's accessed another way? Yes, precisely. Okay, that, that sounds really useful. Uh, can you use it only with OpenStack? Uh, clouds, or can I point something to ports that are, say, in a um, in a public cloud somewhere that, that's not OpenStack? Anything that supports the same protocol. I think we use uh, we, we use standard encapsulation protocols such as VXLAN, GRE, STT, Genev, and if the other port supports these protocols and you can get to agree on the VNI, on the identifier of the network in the encapsulation protocol, it should work with anything. That's pretty exciting. How do you test that? 
Uh, I didn't. <laughs> the guy who wrote it has a, has a system in his lab, and he does that. He, and he used a, he specifically used the propriety gateway to to test this. But exciting nonetheless. Are there other features you want to talk about? The many features that we've added, uh, such as DPDK. Uh, DPDK would be for performance. Yeah. With VMs, or is it for another purpose? I think we've added it in, uh, generally to support uh, o- OVS running over DPDK and the oh, few see. changes we had to do. I see. But this is us- But we c- this can be used for to accelerate VMs so that the packet won't have to travel backwards and forwards between the kernel space and user space. Dragonflow has a, a ton of uh, design summit sessions. Uh, I, I think you said there are four. I, I thought I counted even more than that uh, here at the, the OpenStack Summit in Barcelona. Uh, to talk about uh, upcoming development. I think those sessions are all tomorrow. So uh, what parts of this uh, future work are the ones that, uh, that that you're excited about? What what do you want to see happen in the next six months or 12 months? One of the most important things we need now is a deployment mechanism. And what, what no, do you mean? Uh, there's no easy way to deploy Dragonflow. It's, uh, we have a DevStack script, which is for developers, and people can do it manually if they know what they're doing, or they read the, the script and implement it themselves. We want to add ourselves to uh, an OpenStack Ansible. We want to add ourselves to the Caller project. We want to add ourselves to the to to OpenStack Puppet, uh, so that people can take the Dragonflow and just use it in the same way they use the rest of OpenStack. Making it easier for people to use your software is pretty key to getting it adopted. Yes, that's what we think as well. Okay. The second most exciting thing, in my opinion, is uh, service function chaining. Oh, everybody's talking about that right now. Yes, it's a uh, it's a very cool idea that you have uh, that you have suddenly a network that you can control the the packets on on such a um, on such a granularity and in such a resolution. So are, are you talking about service function chaining uh, in the context of NFV for telcos, or are you talking about it in, a, in another context or a more general context? I'm talking in a more general context. We have, in my opinion, we have a small problem with architecture at the moment. Okay. That when you write new applications, they have to be tightly coupled to the existing pipeline. That makes you it have... a lot easier to design them, I'm sure. Uh, yes, but it's very difficult for, other, for third-party applications to be written. If you have to register to, a t- to an open flow table and you have to tell the, applications bef- the application before you that now there's a new table mm-hmm. that, ha- that it has to take into account. And, you ha- and if you have several tables, you have to somehow connect them. It's very, it's very complicated. My, my vision, our vision, is that you'll be able to write an application, add, it, add its dependencies, and then the Dragonflow controller will calculate the SFC graph and just put things the way they should be. So, for instance, the best example in my opinion is security groups. Security groups have a, have a set of rules, but they rely on connection tracking. So you say, I want security groups. It has to come. There's a piece that comes before layer 2 and layer 3 routing and a piece that comes after layer 2 and layer 3 routing. And it depends on connection tracking, which is an entirely different application that has its own dependencies and and, and rules. And then, you, when you tell it, when you tell Dragonflow that you want to use security groups, it knows to first pass the packet through connection tracking. Connection tracking knows to write down the relevant meta, metadata. And this is all. This is all. Uh, the, there are standards to support this. 
such as uh, the NSH in, uh, in the SSC standards, in the IETF standards draft. So Dragonfly knows to put the connection tracking element before the security groups element and everything play, uh, works together nicely without someone in the background having to manually orchestrate who sits in which OpenFlow table. Well, that sounds like uh, it would simplify the effort a lot. It sounds like a, a good direction for it. Uh, we've been uh, talking now for uh, about half an hour. Uh, did, is there anything else you'd uh, like the listeners to know? Obviously, we are like everyone. We are looking for contributors, reviews. Reviews will be very helpful. Allow, allows us to concentrate on writing code, and it's very easy to start and very easy to get into. Obviously, if someone wants to write to write something, contribute features, we'd be happy to. We'd be happy to help and support whenever possible. We can. You can find us uh, in the IRC channel in, on Freenode. We are in uh, OpenStack Dragonflow. You can also contact me personally in my email. Uh, my email is uh, oaanson at gmail.com. You said you're on IRC. What's your name? Uh, uh, O-Anson. O-A-N-S-O-N. Great. Thank you very much uh, for agreeing to be on the program, and I think the listeners will find it to be uh, useful information. Thanks again. Thank you. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons attribution unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org, or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.